Hello, I'm Afia Salter and I'm here to help ambitious women just like you learn how to unapologetically manifest an extraordinary life. Whether that's finally finding and living your soul's purpose, building the business of your dreams, or kicking it back with a cocktail, margarita for me, you best believe I'm right there alongside you, strapping in for the ride. Okay, gorgeous. Ready to dive in? Let's do it. Hello and welcome back to the Manifest Edit podcast. Can I just say I had a complete and utter mind blank and was doing other parts of the episode. I completely forgot to record this part. I forgot the hello. How weird would this episode have been without welcome back to the podcast? Like, like how would you have known you were welcomed back to the podcast? Anyway, today on the podcast, we are joined by Eleanor Hadley. Eleanor is a sensuality coach, sex educator and sensual movement practitioner. Through one-on-one coaching, group programs, retreats, workshops and speaking, Eleanor is on a mission to help you embody your femininity, enhance your sex life and elevate your relationships. Eleanor believes that sensuality is the missing key to cultivating deeper connection with yourself, your body, your pleasure and with your loved ones. And that's exactly what we'll be exploring on today's episode. We talk about everything from what exactly spiritual slut shaming is and how to avoid it, how to determine your values and boundaries in a relationship, and how to empower yourself both in terms of self-love, but also in communicating your desires within a relationship. Eleanor provides practical advice that you can start implementing in your life today, and also shares stories from her own past as well to help you really contextualize the ideas that we'll be sharing. I know you're going to absolutely love this episode, so make sure to get cozy because we are going deep. For this week's mindset moment, let's talk about incredible tools that you can implement into your everyday life. And one of such tools is gratitude. I'm sure you will have heard of things like gratitude lists before, but if I'm being honest, sitting down and writing a list of all the things I'm grateful for doesn't always really fill me up with joy and gratitude, but rather feels like a chore. So something that I like to do is have this sticky note on my mirror, which says, thank you for this perfect day. Every time I go into my bathroom, I see that sticky note and I think of all the reasons why this is an incredible day. Even if on the outset the day feels pretty shitty, even through the tears, I'll think of something that feels amazing about the day, whether it's just being alive and just being able to see that note and make it through the day. Having this is a subtle reminder to look for gratitude in the pockets of your everyday life and not just sitting at the end of the day to write your list, but really thinking about it throughout the day. Also, aligned moment, I just looked up at the clock, it's 11.11, so this means this is a pretty special episode. But enough talking from me, let's get into the interview with Eleanor. So, welcome to the show, Eleanor. How are you today? I'm wonderful, thank you so much for having me. So, for anyone who hasn't yet met you, could you tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're based, and a little bit of a background to Eleanor? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Eleanor Hadley. I am a sensuality coach, sex educator and sensual movement practitioner. I'm based in Byron Bay at the movement at the moment. And what I do is I work with people to really unleash their inner sensualista. It's all about tapping into your sensuality and doing that will always help to enhance your sex life and also elevate your relationships. So that's a little bit in a nutshell of what I do. Spicy. I love it. And on the word sensualista, could you give like a definition of what that is? 
Yeah, so essentially, so it's just a word that I created to describe my people. And so essentially, so is someone who is truly embodied in their femininity. It's someone who is in touch with their senses, who is deeply present in every moment. It's about being connected to yourself, the world around you and the other people in your life. And how did you come up with the term? What led you to almost doing the work that you do and coming up with terms like centralista and leading women to embody that version of themselves? So I, the, the story is that I actually started years ago pole dancing classes. I eventually purchased and ran a pole dancing studio for four years. I had this experience of seeing women come into the studio, really meek and mild, really nervous and then over the course of a few weeks, just flourishing because we created the space of permission for them to actually drop into their sensuality and do it for themselves and not for the benefit of anybody else. And through that, I decided to create my own movement practice that combined the elements of pole floor work and the grounded movement with some of the elements of yoga. So inspired by the introspective uh, elements of yoga. And through that, I started teaching uh, the movement practice, became a sensual um, sensuality coach. And I created the term sensualista because I wanted a way to describe who my people were and what, what they we're going to become. Um, I also have a lot of interest in Spanish. And so I kind of added that little Spanish kind of uh, inspiration when I created the term. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. And I love what you said about giving women permission to really step into that embodied version of themselves, but also the fact that they're doing it for themselves. They're not being more sensual for a partner or to show up in the spaces around. They're doing it so that they feel good and confident within themselves. And I think, you know, as a coach, that's something that we are always, you know, this is for you. And although we're here to guide you, it has to be you who's kind of leading the way, leading the journey as well. Going back to your practice that you created, is it Centralista Flow that it's called? That's it. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about what the benefits of this specific practice is and who specifically it's for? So essentially the flow is for people who feel like they aren't in touch with their bodies. A lot of my clients tell me that they feel like they live their lives up in their head and that they're almost numb from the neck down. So this is giving you permission to tap into your sensual self um, and and feel sexy as well. And I find that a lot of movement practices focus so heavily on, you know, it being strengthening and toning and for fat loss and weight loss and all of these things that insinuate that there's something wrong with you that must be fixed. And when I created the practice, I was very conscious not to label it as a fitness movement, as a fitness practice, despite the fact that, yes, you're going to sweat a little bit. It's movement. Like you're going to be sore the next day, but that's not why we do it. We do it to get in touch with ourselves and to give ourselves that permission to own our own bodies and our sensuality for ourselves and not for anybody else. I find that... A lot of people come to my work and hear about sensuality and 
assume that it must be for someone else and they're trying to impress someone else but that's not what it is at all like you said before as coaches we're all about you you know you start with yourself and the more that you embody who you are and the things that you love and care about and connect with yourself you know that's going to ripple out and affect everybody else um I feel like I went on a tangent there but (laughs) did I answer your original question yes yes and you know you really exude this confident energy and you can tell that you live what you teach as well and have you always been someone who's been this confident and comfortable in her feminine and both energies actually Mm. yeah I mean I think like most people I grew up a little bit self-conscious here and there. I don't think I was ever that tapped into my sexuality. I think it was just something that, you know, you did with a partner and I never really learned much about it. Um, And for me, it wasn't until pole that I realized how cool it was to be a woman and to be really sexy. And I started to notice how magnetic that was and how powerful it was to be deeply in your feminine. Um, and it, it helped me to redefine what femininity meant. I think so often we assume that femininity is akin to weakness and we get told that the feminine is less than. But over the years, I really started to, as I drop into it, understand that it's super powerful and It feels like home for me. I really love being in my feminine, but by no means was I always. I think uh, Mm. a a common story for women in particular, those who identify as women, is that we put on this masculine mask, especially if we work in corporate, things like this, where we just feel like we have to put on this mask to be taken seriously. And it's so damaging And as soon as I started to allow myself to just drop in, just be feminine and feel that, it was a game changer. I love that you said it feels like home for me. I was like, oh, when you said that, I was like, that hit different. And even the way that you said you've changed the way that you've defined femininity over the years. I think I saw something that you posted on Instagram maybe yesterday about initially feeling like Um, being feminine meant that you had to wear dresses and that wasn't really you and you've learned to kind of embrace it from a perspective that makes sense for you so if you were to define what femininity now means to you what would you express that as oh yeah I think femininity is it's about flow and ease And it's something that I've been dropping into more and more over the years. Um, Like you said, I put up this post that was all about feeling the pressure to be outwardly feminine and wearing dresses and, you know, I've got the long hair and all of this and playing this part. And the more study that I've done about this and my own work on it, I realized that there's such a difference between embodied and performative femininity and So many people assume when we say femininity, they're thinking of the performative, they're thinking of all the external things, the things that we put on ourselves or we, the labels we place that make us think, oh, that's stereotypically feminine. But 
to be deeply feminine is just like it's comfort it's ease it's flow it's not pushing it's just it's deep intuition we've got those qualities of community and connection deep presence you know these things make us embodied in our feminine it's not about all the external things you can choose to do the external things if you like like you know, I, I love dressing up and going out and, you know, like that's fun for me sometimes, but it's not my everyday. And I think I used to feel a lot of pressure to do that, to perform my femininity. And now, no, not at all. <laughs> so for people who are feeling that pressure to perform their femininity rather than just allowing and leaning into that flow, what advice would you give or are there any practices that people can start applying today? Yes, absolutely. So again, everything starts with you. The way that I would suggest to get in touch with your embodied feminine is absolutely through movement. That's my passion. I'm so, so um, enamored with sensual movements, what I teach. And to do this, you can just, you know, put on some sexy music take some time, turn the lights down low, put the candles on and allow your body to move and move in like a fluid motion. It's about rounded shapes. It's about that circular motion instead of that masculine rigid up and down, left and right that we see in other fitness styles. So that for me is the number one way to get in touch with your feminine. Allow your body to move intuitively. It feels so, so juicy. It feels amazing. And the thing is as well, people might be like, oh, I don't want to dance like this. And for people to see me, this isn't something that you're doing for someone else or a dance that you're doing for a partner. This is literally a dance that you do for yourself. And even first thing in the morning, just doing that flowy dance practice, it just puts a different spin on your day. You feel completely different when you approach it from that calm place. Um, absolutely it's about getting out of your head and into your body and it's just such a game changer it's it's amazing to be embodied like that and also on the topic of femininity one of my favorite podcast episodes that you did was stop being polite and assert your damn boundaries and I love the story that you shared about a man coming up to you while you were at dinner and you're having your food and I also loved like how into your nachos you were I was like this is a woman of my own heart Uh, (laughs) and also just like coming up to you and kind of demanding your number and so many times as women we will have these occasions where people come up to us and we are scared about oh well I want to be polite or I don't want someone to think I'm a bitch so I'll just answer or even maybe give them the number when you don't feel like doing it can you share your relationship with boundaries and how that's developed over time and there may be any practical tips you have for someone who is really struggling when it comes to boundaries and how they can assert those stronger boundaries as well Mm, absolutely okay so we like you said we are conditioned to be polite Um, For those of us who who grow up as women, you know, it's like, be polite. Um, You can't be a bitch. We're going to be labeled a bitch as soon as we set any boundaries. And I think it's Florence Given who said something in her book about like, a, a bitch is a woman with boundaries. And there's so much power in actually asserting your boundaries. People just assume that they are deserving of our attention as women. And thing is 
Like not everybody is. We don't owe anybody our attention. And I'd also challenge you to reconsider how you feel about flattery. You know, like, oh, are you flattered that they ask for your number? Like, is that stoking your ego? Or are you just conditioned to think you should be flattered when really you're not interested? You never insinuated that you're interested. They're bothering you or anything like this. Um, To set boundaries, you first need to really understand yourself, what your values are. And boundary setting is one of the first things that I do with my one-on-one coaching clients. We talk about what are your values? What do you think is and is not okay? And now how do you actually assert those? Because people are going to be pissed off. They're going to be so angry with you when you set boundaries and they're going to test you. So even if you set them and they're like, oh, okay, they're going to come back. They're going to try. And if you crumble, if you let them like take over and they walk over that boundary, then it's all but diminished. You have to keep setting it. You have to be strong in those boundaries. And it's a really hard thing to do because we just get labeled as a bitch because people think that they deserve our time and that it's polite to just let everybody kind of walk all over you. But at the end of the day, you're doing yourself a disservice and you don't owe anyone shit. I mean, you can be lovely, you can be kind and sincere while also setting these boundaries. Because at the end of the day, what are you living for? Are you living for everybody else? Are you doing that? Like we're conditioned, you know, that mother wound of like you exist for everybody else's pleasure and purpose, or do you exist for yourself? Mm. I love what you said about being nice and kind and having boundaries. They're not separate. You can have both at the same time while still standing in your power. And I think people do think, oh, well, if I do begin to set boundaries, then I am someone that's not a nice person or people are going to look at me different. And yes, people maybe will look at you differently, but you're still standing in the truth of who you are. And if you're already a lovely and kind and nice person, it's not going to change just because you suddenly say, hey, this is what I am and I'm not available for it. So tying in with boundaries, something else that I want to venture into that I know that you talk about is spiritual slut shaming and what exactly is it and how can we avoid it and enjoy sex on our own terms? Such a good one. So spiritual slut shaming is the the concept of claiming that sex is something that is super spiritual And because of that, because it is a sacred energy that anybody that you have sex with, you're exchanging energy and therefore it's something to be shamed for. So it's something that I kind of created this term spiritual slut shaming um, and it kind of, it blends together spiritual bypassing which is where people use spiritual concepts to bypass actual issues. So it's the whole love and light bullshit. You know, you're talking about serious issues, right? Like we saw all of this happening back in June, talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about these issues and people like, oh no, let's all just love. We're all one. I only see one human race and that kind of bullshit, right? It's using spiritual bypassing in the realm of sexuality and saying, oh no, um, our sexual energy is so sacred and you can only share it with someone that you're 
madly in love with and if you ever share it with anybody else then you must cleanse yourself you're full of demons and all of this kind of stuff that I see so much in the spiritual world in the wellness world around sexuality and it's a concept that I find immensely frustrating I bought into it at one point I was like oh yeah that's right it's an energy exchange a sacred energy exchange um, but what I found was happening is that I started slut shaming myself and thinking oh I I can't have casual sex or I can only have this kind of sex otherwise I need to cleanse myself or there's something wrong with me now I'm tainted and I realized that what this wellness industry, the spiritual industry and all these quotes and memes that float around were doing was essentially slut shaming, but it's slut shaming in, in a, you know, a leather jacket or um, actually I think in that podcast episode, I said like slut shaming dressed up in like hemp linen and, you know, it's like hippified version yeah. of patriarchal slut shaming. It's taking the same tools and weapons that the patriarchy already uses to um, target particularly women and slut shame them. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do this anymore to anybody else. I'm not going to do this to myself. It's so detrimental. And it's, it's dressed up as though it's a good, fabulous, lovely thing. But really, like, it's like you pull off the, the veil. Like in um, Scooby-Doo, you like pull the mask off and you're like, oh, <laughs> patriarchal misogyny there you are I love that oh my god childhood memories <laughs> um yeah. so how can people be aware whether they are spiritually slut shaming or whether these are just their values around sex how can they differentiate the two yeah, good question. That's the thing. I think we're all sovereign beings and we can decide, you know, yeah, I, I do feel more comfortable sharing my energy only with people that I'm deeply in love with. It's all about really just questioning ourselves and our own values and being feeling sovereign in that, like, oh, no, this is how I feel. Or is the language in your head coming from someone else? Like if you listen, is that a teacher from high school that said a comment about slut shaming, some kind of slut shaming comment? Is it something in the media? Is it a meme you've seen that is now in your head or is it how you feel? And the thing is how you feel is, is wonderful and perfect. So this is not to, for me to say everybody should be totally comfortable with casual sex and whatever. It doesn't mean a thing because I think sex is, it is in some ways sacred. It's a beautiful thing. It's one of the most connected things you can do with a person, but it's also really, really fun. And it's something that you can share. It can be light. Depends what you're attaching to it. Are you attaching that this must be the one that I spend the rest of my life with before I share my body? Or are you open to just having an experience and nothing is wrong. It's just about if you're buying into something where you feel like you're guilting yourself at the end of the day. And that's what I'm not about. 
Mm. So it's really about the feelings you have around what's being said. So if you see a meme and you do resonate with it and you're like, yes, this is my truth. Or if you see it and you feel guilty and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have slept with that person or I shouldn't have done this because this is wrong. And now my energy is going to be trapped to this person and I'm going to be condemned. So it's really about your reaction to what you see and how it feels within you rather than everything is implicitly good or bad. It's about how you feel about it when you address it. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. So on the topic of, you know, having those either soulful, casual connections or relationships, what advice do you have for kind of the single women out there to, you know, boost their self-love and the way that they appreciate themselves first? Mm, Yeah, I think that, you know, dating and being single is such an interesting time. I, I think there's so much power in taking time to be single intentionally. I think a lot of the time we get we get conditioned with this message that we must always be looking and if you're single there's something wrong with you. But how can you, you know, flip that thinking and consider the beauty of being single and all the really cool shit you can do um, while being single? And in terms of, you know, boosting your own self-love and working on your own sensuality and sexuality, I know a lot of people assume that, you know, well, why would I work on my sexuality or my relationship with my own sexuality if I'm single? Well, actually, baby girl, that is the perfect time to work on it because your relationship with your own sex is going to impact your future partnered sex. So take this time to seduce yourself. This is something I always, like I've just gotten off two calls this morning with clients and both of their homework is seduce yourself this week. So do what you wish a future partner would do to you. Treat yourself the way that you wish they would treat you. Romance yourself, seduce yourself, have a self-date, you know, take a bubble bath, give yourself a beautiful oil massage, self-pleasure. Self-pleasure is the most powerful, important thing. And you own your own sexuality. Your body is yours. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It's not for the pleasure of anybody else. You can share it as you see fit, but start by pleasuring yourself. Understand your own pleasure. What gets you to orgasm? What makes you feel amazing what makes you open and then if you do decide to get into a relationship at some point you're going to be so much better off because you know you're going to know exactly what you like and you're going to be able to share that and it's going to be so much more magical I love that you use the term seducing yourself because I actually have a playlist on YouTube and it's just called seducing yourself and it's like music I listen to I just dance around I'm like yeah I'm it (laughs) just love that so yeah I think that intentionally focusing on yourself and like you said that intentional time which is very different from being on dating apps and just not getting any hits to actually I'm just going to step away from this and truly focus on myself at this time and enjoy it and maybe at first you will have that like oh I miss the attention but ask yourself asking yourself why is it that I'm missing that intention and need that intention to thrive and the sooner you can kind of get over that oh I constantly need to be talking to someone I think that's the better and something that we've kind of talked about before is that process of self-inquiry which I know informs a lot of your work as well it's always asking and questioning yourself why this why this way and nothing is set on stone but 
how you react to it can change and evolve but in order for that to happen you need to be first understanding what's actually going on within your own mind and your own kind of map of map of the world so now that we've touched on kind of advice for people who are single let's kind of move into relationships a lot of my podcast listeners are looking to manifest love um what methods do you use to attract soulful relationships into your life um first of all let's go with that one first of all Okay, so in terms of attracting, um, and this is probably something that you teach already, it's about kind of being in that energy yourself so that you can magnetize it to you. Now, with with femininity in particular, so if, if your core identity is feminine, you're going to be wanting to magnetize the masculine. This is just a matter of polarity. And vice versa, if you have a masculine core energy, then you're probably going to be wanting to magnetize the feminine. And again, these are energetics. They exist in whichever body, regardless of sex or gender. But you want to really allow yourself to drop into that core energy so that you can be so radiant and absolutely like people will be like a moth to a flame when you are embodying your true essence. And this is about everything that we said, you know, taking time to really seduce yourself and get comfortable with your core energy. I find that I actually had an interview with someone else um, this week and they were asking like, why do I tend to attract men to me when I'm on holiday? But then when I'm back at home and working, like, no dates go well or like I can't find dates and the reason I believe is that when you're in holiday mode you're dropping into your feminine you are going with the flow you're easy you're magnetic and people are just like attracted to that so the more that you can embody that energy the more it's going to flow if you have set boundaries, if you're clear on what you want, and this is probably in your wheelhouse of being able to manifest, like this is what I'm after. Um, I'm clear. And at the same time, I surrender to whatever, you know, the universe has in store for me. And I'm open to exploring whatever comes my way. So you said that when you are embodied in your feminine, you will attract people towards you. What does the opposite look like? How will someone know that they're not embodied in their feminine and they might actually be doing things that are repelling people? Yeah, okay. So the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of embodied feminine versus, you know, the shadow feminine, um, the wounded feminine. The wounded feminine, she's really um, insecure. She's gripping and searching and seeking and trying to hold on she's not in a place of surrender she's trying to fight for things um, without letting it just flow Um, it's that energy of being manipulative it's if, if we have to use the term it's about like kind of being bitchy and gossiping and being judgmental of yourself and of others So it's those things where it's this external focus of like, oh, something is wrong um, and I've got a grip to things and hold on really tight. You know, this person said hi and now I've created this whole story in my head about our life together. 
um, but I haven't just allowed it to flow. And then like they ghosted me and now it's all about me because I, I must have done something wrong or I'm the worst or, you know, it, it's, it's about that creating stories. Whereas the embodied is so comfortable and confident that like, I know I'm a badass. Anybody would be lucky to be in my presence. And I know this and I'm going to just do my thing and show myself authentically. And if it resonates with someone, wonderful. If not, we're not a match. That's fine. I release it. I let it go. What will be, will be. And for those people who are the story creators, they do have the Pinterest wedding board planned out for their future husband and they're listening to this thinking, shit, what would you, you know, top three tips would you suggest to kind of get themselves out of that mindset and into the feminine? Obviously, you've mentioned the sensual practices and getting to know yourself through things like self-pleasure. But in terms of when it comes to actually actively seeking out relationships, how would you kind of express it that way? Hmm. I think it's all about being authentically yourself and not putting on a persona of who you think this person might want you to be to impress them. Being in integrity with who you are and knowing that the right person is going to recognize that in you. And I think that like, I think there's a lot to be said. If you know what you want and you're like, yeah, I'm really, really keen on the Pinterest wedding and the kids and the house and all of that. Wonderful. I would highly recommend dropping in and checking in. Why do I want these things? Or what, what is it that I truly want? Is it that I want these tick box items because that's what society tells me or Maybe I can dream and consider different ways that that might manifest in my life. I know for me personally, the, those, those certain things, they're not on my radar. Um, I know that they are for most people. Um, but I had to come to terms with the fact that it actually didn't ever resonate with me. I, I almost, almost went there with an ex. And now I'm like, oh, dodged a bullet because I actually didn't want those things. But societally, I thought I did. So check in with yourself. What do you really want? You personally, not what society tells you. Be in integrity with what it is that you're searching for and know that it's going to come to you. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if that's three tips really, but. <laughs> they were good tips. I, did, I wasn't counting, but they were good tips anyway. Um, and what I'm really hearing you say is it's all about the choices that you make and knowing that you have autonomy over those choices and that, you can choose to show up a different way, but when you're choosing to show up a different way, just make sure it's aligned with who you actually are and not who you think you need to be in order to attract someone to you because the person or persons for you are going to be attracted to you for you and you don't need to add any extra things on top. And when you do, then you're going to have to like maintain this through the whole relationship, like keep this disguise on and always have that like fear of fuck, like what if they find me out for who I truly am and who I actually am? So just just avoid all of that <laughs> so yeah, absolutely we've done all the embodiment work we're into our feminine flow and we have attracted the dream partner partners um what advice do you have for communicating your desires once you're in that relationship oh, oh my gosh I love talking about communication I think it's so important and we 
we never ever learn how to communicate properly. So uh, one thing that I always, always recommend to my clients is to understand in any conversation, what is the purpose of my communication? What is the purpose of this interaction? What am I hoping for? What's the goal? And you can think of this in three different categories. And I, I've labeled it um, see me, feel me, and help me, I think. <laughs> um, and it's about really recognizing, am I in this exchange, am I wanting my partner to celebrate something with me? Am I wanting them to give me advice? Am I wanting them to just listen? Oh, it's hear me, feel me, help me, sorry. And so when we know what our purpose of communication is, it means that it's going to stop so many fights. So classic example, we go home to our partner, we say, oh my God, I had the worst day ever. Everything bad happened. And, you know, Doris was being a bitch and oh my God, everything's bad. And they go, oh, well, you should do X, Y, and Z. And you go, oh, like you're, what, you're just telling me that I'm wrong. And you get annoyed with them because they were trying to help. They, they were trying to fix it. And it's a classic example because we get annoyed that they, they're trying to help us, but we don't see it as that way. We don't see it as them trying to help us. We see it as them criticizing us. All we wanted from the communication was for them to just like hear what I'm saying. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see. I see what's going on. Um, I hear you. I'm holding space for you to have this moan, a little rant session. And then we, they resent us for getting annoyed with them giving advice. So if we can just go in and we know, okay, the purpose of my communication is either one, hear me, just hold space for me. Just listen. I just need you to be an ear while I chat this out. Or it's number two, and that's feel me. That's either I want you to celebrate with me. Like, I'm really excited about this. I want you to be happy for me too. Or I'm really, really low, and I just need you to understand that I'm feeling low um, and commiserate with me. Or it's number three, which is help me, which is I need help. Can you please offer some advice? Or what would you do? I'm looking for help. That changes everything like it, you'll avoid so many fights that way if you just understand what am I looking for what am I hoping for in this communication and I remember listening to your podcast episode and you were talking about um having sold your studio and you wanted to celebrate with your ex and he was like oh and you were feeling so disappointed from the way that communication had gone until you were like wait a minute I didn't actually communicate what I was expecting from them and I was like that's such a powerful realization and even when you've identified those things you can say at the end of this oh I'd really love you to celebrate with me or I just need you to hold space for me right now or I need you to do this for me right now and there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying that's what you actually want and desire from the communication and just how many arguments would be avoided from approaching life that way and I don't know if you follow Brené Brown's work as well but in her Netflix special Call to Courage I love that she is talking about having this kind of altercation with her husband and she's like this phrase that she added in is the story that I'm telling myself right now rather than going in with you did this or you did that is like this is what's going on in my head let's let's discuss so I think it's always 
not you kind of have to take a step back from communication and not just be so back and forth but also like analyzing your own actions and your own contribution and take responsibility for the way that you're showing up and not just placing the blame on the other person and that can go both ways I think and that's a really I love that you've just put it into three really simple ways that people can say okay like but like just those three words which word do I need and then how can I communicate that with my partner and after those first couple of times I'm sure it will become like an automatic process where you're like oh I understand and not only will you understand them better but you'll understand yourself better and what you expect from a relationship so that is a very powerful tip because so many problems are just caused by miscommunication absolutely so many most most problems I think in relationships in particular are just a simple matter of miscommunicating and not actually talking about what what are your expectations you know even when you start a relationship have a discussion like what what are you hoping for like what are your loves what are your hates what are your desires what are your fears you know actually talk about things and just understand people better just be curious like I wonder what what you know might be behind that behavior or that comment Let's let's dig a bit deeper. And like you said with Brene, you know, this is the story I'm telling myself, but it is that it's a story. Let's actually get some facts behind it. And with you saying, you know, when you start a new relationship or something like that and showing up to table saying this is what my expectations are or what are your expectations? Do you have any advice for people who may not have ever had those kinds of conversations before and are a little bit nervous about being so vulnerable and open? Mm, yeah, it's a really tough one because as I said before, we're not really conditioned to have those conversations, um, particularly in monogamous settings where there's a lot of assumptions of like, oh, this is like just how it's assumed we will interact and everything. And I think if you're going to it and you're like, I want to create a conscious relationship, I am working with a client at the moment who's going through exactly this. She wants to have a more conscious relationship with her partner and and talk more Um and she is going through how to actually bring this up with him and he's not super open to it but it's just purely about expressing your desires and like hey i'm really interested in in having a an open dialogue and really getting to know you well um i really i'm really enjoying our time together i would love to learn more about you um you can always what I always tell my clients is you can blame me you can say oh like my coach said this or I listened to this podcast the other day and it was really interesting and they were talking about you know the importance of communication hey what do you think have you ever had this experience you know you can use these examples to start the conversation you can send episodes <laughs> of things to people leave a book out um but at the end of the day I really think it's just about being truthful and open like hey this is something that's important to me and you know what if someone can't hold that space for you maybe that's a sign if they're not willing to hear you and get to know you more and have conversations about communication then I don't know maybe that's that's a, a little red flag <laughs> let's put them out there 
Amazing. These were such incredible answers for both people in relationships, thinking about relationships and just not even on that page altogether. And there are so many useful tips that people can apply to communication with themselves and with others. So before I let you go, I would love to dive into some speed dating questions. Are you ready? And I love that they're called speed dating questions because I feel like it's so relevant for this episode. We're dating now. So first one is, do you have a morning routine? If so, what is it? Ah, no, I don't. And the reason that I don't is because I don't believe that the feminine, my feminine energy uh, responds well to exactly the same thing every single day. Mm. But what I would do is, you know, sometimes it's a walk and a, a swim in the beach. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's scrolling on my phone. I know that's not ideal, but, you know, true. I love it. Uh, what is your favorite personal development book? Oh, oh gosh. I feel like I have so many. Um, my favorite is, I'm going to say The Way of the Superior Man. Mm. It's more of a spiritual kind of read, but it's all about masculinity. And I think it's a must read for everybody. Oh, I've never heard of it before, but it will be going straight on my list. Um, what is the most recent thing you intentionally manifested? I feel like I've been manifesting a few things lately. I, I've manifested some places to live, um, which has been wonderful. And that's been, yeah, very intentional. I've been spending quite a lot of time <laughs> working on that. So, yeah, homes. Mm, love that. And by the way, Eleanor lives in one of the most beautiful places in Australia, so not jealous at all. Uh, best piece of advice you've ever received? My best friend's dad actually used to say this. He said, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's yeah. so cute. What? It was adorable. I was great. expecting it to rhyme, but now that it does, it's made it even better. Uh, oh, I'm excited to ask you this one favorite country in the world and why and by the way for everyone listening Eleanor at the time of what I read had been to 53 countries so it may even be more by this point yeah I actually don't know right now I think it's definitely up there um I've been to a lot of countries and Guatemala has my heart I've been there five times and I absolutely adore it um but it's very hard to answer that question because mm. I have a lot of favorites and what's so special about Guatemala that makes you keep going back so it's the first country that I actually went to all by myself when I was 17. Um, I worked there for a few weeks. I learned a little bit of Spanish, just was totally enamored by it. And I've gone back quite a few times and it just, it's one of those places that just feels like home. I know my way mm. around Antigua, around the lake. I just feel comfortable there and I love Spanish so, so much. So yeah, it's gorgeous, something special. That's so incredible that you traveled there alone at 17. That's so far. Yeah, my dad didn't sleep for three weeks. (laughs) (gasps) I can imagine. Um, What are you currently obsessing over? I am currently obsessing over um, card games that are all about conversation so uh, I've got sex talk which I know we've spoken about a friend of mine developed that and I've also been playing with my family over the holidays we're not really strangers Mm. and I love it I love talking clearly so I love conversation and having meaningful 
connection-based conversation with people. Yes, I actually looked at the uh, We're Not Really Stranger ones. I was choosing between that one and Reflex. Then I ended up going going with the Reflex one. So, ooh. Um, and we'll have to put your link for the sex talk game in the show notes as well. Uh, what is your star sign? Taurus. I'm such a Taurus. That's so funny because my last interview, she's like, I'm a Taurus, but I don't resonate with it at all. <laughs> I am so, so Taurian, like grounded, sensual. Like these are all the words that just resonate so deeply with me. Yeah. Mm. Who would play you in a film about your life? Okay, I have no idea about celebrities, but apparently people say I look like Whitney Port. Whitney Port, is that someone? Uh, I don't know. I, don't who know. That is. Um, I think she's a reality TV person. But apparently, she looks like me. I have no idea if she would have my mannerisms, though. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Um, name one of your favorite mindset or manifestation hacks. I think um, mindset and manifestation hacks would be about being embodied. I think it's definitely about really um, proving to yourself that you can feel this way that you want to feel and, and showing yourself examples of how it already exists in your life, like going to the place, the area that you want to live in, that kind of stuff, really seeing tangible proof that it exists and is possible. Mm, I love that you said tangible there because so many people are like it just seems so far away and it's just like start giving yourself those little nudges those little evidence now that your brain your brain can hold on to and be like actually this isn't really that far away and then Mm. last question what makes you feel inspired Uh, nature nature makes me feel inspired I'm again such a Taurus and such an earth sign and when I am in the ocean I have this wonderful feeling of being so tiny and insignificant in this huge world. And somehow that makes me super inspired. Mm. (laughs) So it's funny that you said that makes you feel inspired when you're saying so tiny in the ocean, all I could think was fear, fear, fear. (laughs) (laughs) It just goes to show how different people are, but I can imagine it being calming and relaxing if you're a water baby as well. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Where can people find you and learn more about the work that you do and follow your podcast, all of the things? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And you can find me over on Instagram at Eleanor Hadley. My website is the same, myname.com. And yeah, on there you can find info about one-on-one coaching, about my online course, The Art of Sensual Movement, and workshops as well. I'll be coming around Australia again soon. So keep an eye out there. Oh, how exciting. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. Wow, what an episode. And what I absolutely love about Eleanor is that she's incredibly open about not only how these issues affect her clients, but how these have been things that she's approached in her own life in the past. There are some great tips there in terms of self-love, self-pleasure and seducing yourself that I really hope you take away from this episode before approaching them again in a relationship. Even if you are looking to manifest love, make sure that you are manifesting it for yourself first before anybody else. If you've enjoyed today's episode and the topics that we're exploring today, or if you learned something new, make sure to screenshot the episode and tag us both at Afiasalter underscore and at Eleanor Hadley over on Instagram so that you can let us know and help even more people find and learn from the podcast.
Thanks for tuning in today. I am so glad to have you here. And if you love what you've heard, remember to subscribe and leave a review because it helps even more people find and enjoy the podcast. And I just appreciate it so much. One last thing before you go, what was your biggest takeaway today? Screenshot the episode and share on Instagram at afiasalter underscore to let me know. Okay, can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, gorgeous. 